Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. So if you have your uh, Bibles, open with me to Proverbs chapter 18, and as you do, say this with me today, I receive the Word of God, the prophet me, reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished on all good works. You just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Proverbs chapter 18 has a very powerful scripture in here. And Proverbs kind of breaks down thoughts to two or three thoughts at one time for us to get an understanding of, you know, what does God expect of us? How can we live a peaceful life? Uh, Proverbs, I mean, Psalms is about, a, you know, a relationship, your relationship with God. Proverbs is about your relationships with one another. And so it says here in verse 19 of, of Proverbs 18, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of castle. A man's stomach shall, satisfy, shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the fruits of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And so isn't it interesting it talks about how an offended brother is harder to win than a strong city. And so most offenses usually are results of something that somebody has said or something that somebody believes somebody has said. And this is why rumors are so very dangerous. In fact, the scripture calls it rivalry, rivalry. And if you look up the word rivalry, you know, God uh, puts rivalry in the same context as fornication and sexual immorality. And so I heard Brother Kenneth Copeland saying, you know, if you're a gossiper, God doesn't see it any different than you being down at the prostitution house because it's categorized in the same area. You know, rumors are very, very dangerous. They hurt a lot of people. And so my take on life and my take on, on, on hearing things is I don't repeat anything that somebody else told me that they heard somebody else say. I just think that's a good philosophy to live by. I don't repeat what somebody says, well, did you know what I heard? I don't want to know what you heard, okay? Now, if you saw it with your eyes or you saw it with your own ears or maybe this house or, or something like that, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at it. But, you know, we need to stop rumors. You know, rumors hurt a lot of people, you know, and they cause a lot of offenses, you know. And, and unfortunately, there, you know, in, in, in a situation years ago when I was on staff, and it still happens, but, but this situation was so many years ago, it's safe to tell, but I was on staff. And, you know, I was talking to one of the guys who, who was on staff at Calvary Cathedral. I had moved on. I was working for Jerry Savelle, and he just didn't like me. And I didn't know why he didn't like me. And one day we sat down, we talked and visited. He said, man, I've just got to apologize to you. You're a really nice guy. Well, you know what? He didn't know me, but he based it on what somebody else said about me. You know, and here we have this great relationship now when I see him in Fort Worth. Many times I see him, see him at our favorite, rest, our favorite Mexican restaurant. Don't know why he always shows up when we show up, but he does. Boy, he's the first one. Man, he sees me. He darts over. How are you, Tom? So good to see you. And we just have wonderful conversations. 
you know, but what started out that was devastating was because of what somebody else said, not something that he experienced himself. And this is why it's so important that we be so careful by what we say about other people, you know, and God doesn't take it lightly. In fact, the scriptures, I'm going to show you this here in just a moment, you know, God judges us for every idle word. What is an idle word? An idle word is one that is not productive. And so we can be productive with our words. You know, and I know I was, um, you know, pretty, I've been challenged. I get mixed, you know, I get uh, invited and I get, um, uh, um, you know, I meet a lot of people from other backgrounds, religious backgrounds and things like that, you know. Oh, are you one of those grab it, blab it, grab it type Christians? Are you one of those uh, confess it, possess it type people? And I I always answer like this, well, doesn't the Bible say we're in the image of God and his likeness? And when God said, light be, light was, you know, had a very rich, you know, and it just seems like my wife says, you always say this, had a very rich uh, Bible study with uh, our rabbi this last week, and we were talking about Genesis and how when God said, light be, light was, and I asked him, I said, are you a, a part of the James Webb telescope? You know, you can get on that website there and see some of the pictures. You know, all these new galaxies that they're, they're discovering, and some of them are being created. This is a new star being created. You know why it's being created? Because God said, light be. Amen. And light hasn't stopped being since God said, light be. That's the power of God's word. And so if we're created in his image and his likeness, then we can have what we say. That's why Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God or have the faith of God. That's really what he's saying. Have the faith of God. And we're going to add to that here in just a moment. But have the faith of God. For verily I say to you. In other words, operate in the same faith that God operates. How does God operate? God calls things to be not as though they are. He just says, hey, this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to be. You know, and so God says it and it happens. Well, you know what? Does God doubt himself? What did he tell Abraham? I can't swear by anybody but me, so if I say it, it's going to happen. That's why the scriptures that say, verily, verily, or surely I say unto you, these are covenant scriptures. These are things that God's already put in place for us. And if God's spoken it, it's already put in place for us. That's why it tells us in Jeremiah, I watch over my word to perform it. You know, what is he, what, what is he doing? He's watching over what? What he's already said. You know, so, so he can do what? So he can manifest that word in our lives. And so that's why it's so important we understand the power of our words. And so for just for a little review here, in order for us to have good confession, we must guard what we listen to, what we watch, and what we meditate on. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. Well, we're not under the law. Thank God we're not. You know, but we can use the word, the word here. How about the word of God? And, and that's very interchangeable in this situation. That you may observe and do all according that's in the word, uh, which Moses, my servant, commanded you to do. Do not turn from the right or the, or the left, that you may prosper in wherever you go. Oh, oh, let's see now. Let's see. We need to observe so we can prosper. And the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. Does that sound like you need to speak, begin to speak the word of God? Sounds like it to me. It shall not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. Then you will make your ways prosper. Then you'll have good success. 
And so God's saying here in the word, he said, listen, why don't you meditate on what I say, not what the world says? You know, the real truth is that whatever we predominantly think about, we'll eventually say. And whatever we predominantly say, we'll do. And whatever we predominantly do will determine our habits, and our habits will always determine our character. All begins with a thought. Someone says, what well, has always been getting? You mean every time I have a bad thought? No, it's not about having a bad thought or a good thought. It's about taking authority over the negative thoughts and not dwelling on the wrong things. You know, and if you hear it long enough, eventually you'll start believing it. You know, one of my favorite groups is the Righteous Brothers. You know, and so, but there's this one song, man, I just love the tune, but I hate the words. You know, you lost that love and feeling. You know, so I changed the words, you know, and I sing it to my wife. You got that love and feeling. Oh, love and feeling. Oh, that love and feeling for me. me. You know, and so those are some... <laughs> Anyway, those are some things that, you know, yeah, you know, and I don't like those words, so I change the words because I don't want to be thinking and meditating on that my wife lost my love and feeling for me, you know? I mean, after all, she could never lose her love and feeling for a guy like me. <laughs> Glory to God. But, you know, it all comes back to what you meditate on, what you hear on, and that's why I change the words because I don't want to be thinking about you know, somebody losing their love and feeling for me. I want to be thinking about how much she loves me and how much I love her, you know, and that's true in everything that we do. Whatever we predominantly think about, you know what, it'll start meta manifesting in our lives. So it's important that we ask ourselves, are we thinking the right thoughts? In fact, it goes on and tells us in in the, in, in the book of Galatia, Galatian, that, you know, we need to uh, dwell on those things which are pure, lovely, true, honest, and a good report, and the peace that passes all understanding. You know, we think about this tranquil life, you know, where like, man, things are really good, and, you know, we're in this place where, you know, you know we're just at peace, but the word peace means to be complete and wholeness of God, and you will be so whole in God and I don't mean H-O-L-Y, holy, but I mean W-H-O-L-E, whole, complete in God, as you dwell on those right things. And so our confessions all, thought, all, all begin with a thought. Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, It's a good man out of the good treasures of his heart. Where do those treasures, how do those treasures get into your heart? Well, treasures are a result of a deposit. And so our hearts have to be filled and deposit with Good thoughts. And the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Then it goes on, and Jesus said, For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Well, whatever we predominantly think about, again, eventually we will say. Secondly, our words determine our future. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 through 37, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit you broad vipers how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks a good man out of the good treasure of his heart sounds like luke and it is a a, a parable of, of or i mean a parallel of what luke's saying uh, out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure uh, treasure brings forth evil things but i say to you for every idle word every idle word the word idle means inactive or barren inactive or barren you know we really don't want some some of our barren words to come to pass do we you know 
Now, again, we don't have to get too legalistic with it because Jesus said, have faith in God for very last say unto you that whosoever shall say on this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. He shall have those things which he saith. When you pray, believe that you receive them. And I realize that we say some things that we really don't believe are going to come to pass. Sometimes they're cliches. And I can, uh, and I can you know, uh, agree that some of our cliches we shouldn't say, but, you know, I don't believe they're going to come to pass because we don't really believe them. But they are idle. You know, what would happen if we really believed that we had what we say? We really believe if we had what we say, and then we would really be, you know, just very careful about our words. Then he goes on and says, but I say to you, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For, look at verse 37, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Wow, does that sound like your future to me? Sounds like my future. I don't know about you, but I like being justified by God. You know, we often quote Romans chapter 3, 23, which, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, which it says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but verse 24 says, and how he has freely justified, freely justified. Think about it. You know, God has justified you just as if you never sinned. That's what he said. He says, my love is greater than your sin. My mercy is greater than your sin, and I want to show you mercy. So in idle words are words that do nothing. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 16, it says it like this, But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Hmm. So babblings are, again, fruitless discussions. You know, does Adam have a belly button? That's pretty fruitless, isn't it? We won't know until we meet Adam, you know. I mean, you know, I mean, there are just some things that are fruitless. They don't, they don't produce fruit. They don't produce, they're not edifying. They don't build people up. You know, and these are things that we need to ask ourselves. Are we getting into conversations that bring faith? Or are we getting into conversations that bring fear? Our faith, number three, activates our words. Our faith activates our words. What did Jesus say in Mark eleven twenty two? The first thing he said was have faith. Have faith. What did he say in Luke chapter 17? He said, it's impossible that offenses won't come, but woe through whom they come. And then he went on to say that if you have the faith of a seed of a mustard grain, you can say to this sycamine tree, you can say to this thing, you can speak to it, you can command it to go into the sea, you can speak to the offense, you can command the offense to leave your life, you can speak to the circumstances, and you can command the circumstances to be turned around. Because that's the authority that God has given you. And I realize that many of us have made good confessions, but things haven't always turned out the way we want it. But the scripture does say, you know, that all things do work together for our good. It didn't turn around for what we wanted, but it did turn around for our good. You know, and if we could always see things the way God sees things, we could see, see that it did turn around for our good. It may not have even been God's will, but it did turn out for um, uh, our, our good. And God has a, a way of doing that. And so the Word of God tells us that if we have faith in God, we can say. We can say if we believe what we have. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start with verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Say we have this treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. The excellency of God's power. 
In other words, we have this treasure that the power of God's on the inside of us. And then Paul goes on and he talks about some of the things that they've walked through. We're, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not dis- in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And then verse 13, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. So now let's look at this, and let's just take away from what Paul was saying, even though, you know, and he's making a great confession here. We're hard-pressed, but we're not forsaken. I mean, we're hard-pressed, but, but not crushed. Uh, we're perplexed, but not in despair. Those are good confessions to make. But let's just take those scripture out here and just combine verse 7 and 13. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And since we have the same spirit of faith, what is that treasure in earthen vessels? The same spirit of faith in vessels. That's the excellency of the power of God in our lives. And that's what he's really saying here. Since we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is this treasure? Since you have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, that's the key right there, I believe, therefore I speak. You know, remember the man who brought his uh, uh, epileptic son or a son who was having seizures? We say epileptic. But his son who uh, was having seizures to Jesus, and he said, I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything. And Jesus said, well, you know, if you can believe, all things are possible. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Where did the unbelief come in? I tried this, I tried that, I tried this, I tried that. I even brought them to your disciples who had seen great miracles and nothing happened. Man, I'm struggling here, you know. But, you know, how do we really help our belief? Well, one of the ways we help our belief is through the renewing of the Word of God. That we wash our minds through the renewing of the Word of God. The more you read the Word of God, the more you listen to the Word of God, the more you're going to believe the Word of God. You know, it's so amazing as I read through the Word of God how many miracles, and I have no idea how many miracles God's done, and that's just here. In fact, the Scripture says that if they could have recorded all the miracles that Jesus did, that there's not a library built that could hold a record of all the miracles that he did. I mean, we just have a, just a, a tip of the iceberg on the miracles that he did. I mean, he did miracle after miracle after miracle. He's a wonder-working God, miracle-working God. You know, that's why I like that song, I Believe. You know, I believe in the wonder-working miracle power of God. You know, we've seen, Vicki and I have seen, you know, and it doesn't make us anything great. It makes God great, but we've seen cancer disappears. We've seen withered hands op- uh, 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 grow out. We've, uh, she's seen blind eyes open. She's seen the, uh, 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 the mute talk. You know, we've seen some incredible things. God do some incredible things. But you know what? You know, that belief comes from saying, you know what? This is what the Word says. I'm not moved by what I see. You know, that day that, that that man's withered arm grew out, you know, there probably were less than 20 people in the congregation, would you say? You know, and so anyway, we were speaking maybe 30 at the most, you know, and the word of knowledge came, you know, and of course, I could see everybody. I didn't see anybody with a withered hand, you know. I'm kind of nervous here. 
And God spoke to me by the word of knowledge. There's somebody here with a withered hand. He wants to heal him. And so when I said that, everybody pointed at this individual. <laughs> you know, when you're in a small church like that, everybody knows. You know, I said, well, stretch forth your hand, you're healed. Boy, he did. I mean, the whole place came unglued. I mean, you know. And, and, and so, you know, when God begins to move in those ways, well, where did that happen from? It happened from me reading that scripture that Jesus spoke to the man with a withered hand. I believe if Jesus could do it, and he said, these works that I do, so shall you do, and greater, because I go to my Father. I believe that. I believe I can do the works of God. I believe I have the same spirit of faith that God has. I believe he's given me his faith. I believe I can operate in. I believe this is the treasure in this earthen vessel, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and quickens my mortal body. The other day I was praying, and I, I love to pray the names of God. I love the names of God. <clears throat> and because I believe the more you magnify who God is, the more he manifests who he is in your life. Amen. And I was thanking him one day, and this is how that works. I was thanking him one day, just this last week or two, I was thanking him for he is Jehovah, uh, um, uh, Jehovah Rohi. Yeah, Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. And I was saying, oh, Lord God, I thank you so much that you're Jehovah, Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. And then I stopped and changed the word want to lack, because that's what it means. I shall not lack. You know, and I've always thought of that in the area of finances. But then all of a sudden just came out of me. I shall not lack peace. Glory to God. I shall not lack joy. Glory to God. I shall not lack love. Glory to God. I shall not lack mercy. Glory to God. I shall not lack wisdom. Glory to God. If he's my shepherd, I shall not lack anything because he's everything to me. You know, because that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. And not only will he quicken my mortal body in the area of healing, but he will quicken to me the very life of God that's in me. Amen. And that's who he is. And this is what I'm confessing. I'm confessing that's who he is in me. Glory to God. And so what was I doing? I was magnifying the name of God, and all of a sudden God became bigger to me because even just with the name of Jehovah-Rohi, he is my shepherd. He is everything, just that one name. But, boy, I mean, there's hundreds of names of God's. I found a new one the other day I was reading. He's the Lord that forgiveth, and I looked up that, and that is Jehovah-Nassau, just like our Nassau space, you know. And I thought about how this is so neat, how, how space is ever always growing, that our space is always growing. There's, there, there's just no, there's no walls to space. It's just ever increasing. It's infinite, but so is his mercy. What a correlation. His mercy ever grows. It never ceases. It never ceases. His mercy never ceases. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful? And so anyway, I got all excited about magnifying the name of God. And that's what the key is. The key is you magnify by what you dwell on and what you speak. And that's how we magnify things. What happens when we take a magnifying glass and we take the sun and we put it on, some, on something that's dry or something that's flammable? What happens to it? Anybody know? It catches on fire. You know, what happens when we magnify the things of God? Come on, somebody. Amen? So we have this earthen vessels, and that is that we have the same spirit of faith. And since we believe... We ought to be speaking what we believe. How many of you really believe that was a word from God that Pastor Vicky spoke earlier, that your prodigals are coming home? Amen. Well, then don't say anything other than that. Prodigals are coming home. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. You're coming home. Next time you see them and you give them a hug, don't tell them you're praying for them. Ask them to pray for you. 
Huh? What's wrong with that? Uh, don't forget to pray for your, your, your mom and dad. We need your prayers. They'll look at you like, well, you know I don't. Well, you know what? It might put a seed in their, their, their mind. You never know. You know, we were, uh, when I was in Bible school, one of the first courses we took was how to, how to uh, pray and uh, uh, do effective praying. And so we had to do this project, you, you know, and the project was you need to have a prayer project and you need to get scriptures on why it's God's will and you need to stand on those scriptures. So I prayed for my father's uh, salvation. At that particular time, he claimed that he was agnostic. You know, he believed in God, but that was about it. So I prayed for my father's uh, uh, salvation. And so I was praying and, and seeking God, you know, and I'd call home and you know, and, and dad would give me the same thing, you know, I'm agnostic or whatever, or he wouldn't, didn't, wasn't interested in what I was doing. He was mad because he was an engineer and I left the engineering field to go be a preacher, you know, he thought I was really wrecking my life. Um, but later on, he saw the difference. But nevertheless, so I was praying for him. And so finally, I said, Lord, what's the deal? I mean, you know, I'm six weeks into this 10-week course. I need to, I, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm in a hurry here, you know. I mean, I got to get this done. I got to get a good grade in this course, you know. But anyway, I asked the Lord, what's the deal? And he said, well, how do you talk to your dad? I said, well, you know, he's not saved. He said, well, why don't you talk to your dad as if he is saved? Right. Yeah. He said, did I hear you when you prayed? Yes. Did, did you pray the word? I said, yes. He said, well, then it's working. And so the next time I called my dad, I said, now, dad, when I'm in the ministry, I'm going to expect you to help me do this. I want you to do this. I want you to be praying for me. And it wasn't shortly after that, two or three weeks later, he called me up and he had prayed the prayer of salvation. You know, begin to speak to those prodigals as if they're already saved. You know, hug them, love them. Don't forget to pray for your mom and dad. Don't forget to pray for us if it's your child, you know, or whoever it is. Don't, don't forget to pray for us, you know. I'll never forget one time I was witnessing to somebody and, and uh, you know, I said, well, can I pray for you? He said, sure. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll pray that your eyes be opened up. You pray that my eyes be opened up. He goes, all right. And then he caught himself praying. You must believe in something. Huh? Just, you know, get them on your side. You don't have to put them on the defense. Put them on the offense. Glory to God. And so in order for us to, to increase our believing, we need to continue to fill our minds with God's thoughts and God's word because that's where belief comes from. First John 8, as we uh, uh, conclude this particular message, first, excuse me, First John 15, 1 through 8. Oh, man, I really messed this up. There is not a John, 1 John 15. There's a 1 John 5, excuse me. All right, 1 John 5. Let's go there. I got it in my notes for a reason, so let's find out why. All right, first of all, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Okay, so you are born of God. This is one of the keys. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Everyone who loves him, who uh, everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, and who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For there is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Is that your confession? Are you an overcomer? You overcome this world, okay? And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And he who overcomes the world is he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Does that qualify everybody here? 
Absolutely. So you're qualified for what he's trying to share next. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father and the Word and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. Where, what, what three are one in, in heaven, in the sphere of the heaven or in the heavenlies? Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? So some people have a hard time wrapping their heads around this. I'll try to explain the best I can. But in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? And the Word dwelt among us and manifested, and it was Jesus. Isn't that right? Okay, so we're doing okay. So Jesus and the Word are one. But Jesus manifested because of the Word that God spoke. I will put my seed between you and my enemy. I put my seed in a woman, right in Genesis, right in the very beginning. God's word manifested, didn't it? God spoke it, but it took a few years for it to happen. What, something like 4,000 years later it happened? But it did happen, didn't it? When God speaks, it's already in motion. God already has a plan for you to be victorious. God already has a plan for you to be an overcomer in this life. Whosoever is born of God is an overcomer in this world. And this is what even overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith? Oh, that must mean that I must have the faith of God. Again, there it is. Validated. I have the faith of God. Our faith. My faith that came from God. Since we have the same spirit of faith. Jesus said, had the faith of God. Since our faith. So our faith is what overcomes the world. How do we overcome the world? We believe, therefore we speak. And that's why we speak. I am an overcomer. Somebody tell your neighbor, I'm an overcomer. You are an overcomer. And so the Word and God are one. So when you speak the Word, what are you actually speaking? Hmm? What are you actually speaking when you're speaking the Word? When you speak the Word of God, you're actually breathing the breath of God into that situation. Wow. Isn't that something? This is your earthen treasure. You get to breathe the breath of God into a situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you work at a secular place? Let me see your hands. All right. When you go in here, you go in here and say, I declare this place is blessed. Amen. There you go. What are you doing? You're breathing the plan and the breath of God in that place. Yes. Go in your home. You know, I just declare my home's blessed. Amen. I declare my children are blessed, Amen. upright, serving God. Come on. What are you doing? You're breathing. You're speaking the word. And by speaking the word, you're breathing the breath of God into the situation. Because you and him are one. That's what the scripture says. John 17, Jesus said, I pray that you become one with them, God, as I become one with you. Isn't that God's will? So if you're one, what are you doing? You're breathing, your words are breathing the breath of God into the situation. This is that treasure in earthen vessels. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now the word ask sometimes means to put a demand on. That's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 9, after he gave us the Lord's Prayer, he said, ask and you, it, it, it will be open, knock, I mean, excuse me, it says, it says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find and knock, it will be open. And no, this works in the English language, but ask, A for ask, S for seek, and K for knock. 
And sometimes, sometimes the word ask means to make a demand on. Well, if it's already done, then why should you ask for it? Oh, God, please heal me. Well, he's already healed you. Why don't you make a demand on the healing power of God? I declare this sickness has to leave my body in the name of Jesus, and it will not have a stronghold on me. That's what we speak. We don't deny it. We just deny it to have power over us. That's what we do. We speak to it. We speak what God would say about it. I'm healed. Many times when I'm praying and thanking God that he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth me, I begin to declare that my immune system works at 100% efficiency. I declare my circulatory system works at 100% efficiency. I declare that my, my, uh, my, my bones operate at 100% efficiency. My muscular system operates at 100% system operates at 100% efficiency. Glory to God. That I see well, I hear well, I smell well, I taste well, and I feel pretty good. <laughs> I begin to speak to my senses. What God said. He created me. I'm in his image. You know, is God sick? Is God depressed? Discouraged? No, he's not. I'm in his image. Because I can be what God says I can be. Amen. And I can go where God says I can go. I can do what God says I can do. I can live where God says I can live. I can have what God says I can have. I can drive what God says I can drive. I can work where God says I can work. Because I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. What a great confession. You guys are really getting this. So he said, when you ask, sometimes we need to put a demand on. So when you go to the bank and you make a withdrawal, aren't you putting a demand on what's already been deposited? Well, a good man out of good treasures bring forth what? Good. So when you deposit the good on the inside of you, what's going to come forth? Good. Well, what's God deposited on the inside of you? Oh, come on, somebody. Huh? Come on. Isn't the deposit already happened in Christ? Everything who he is and everything he wants you to be, isn't he already? So do you have to ask for something that's already been deposited? Do you go to the banker and say, oh, would you please let me have $100 out of my account? No, you go make a withdrawal, a demand on what's already been deposited. Well, that's what your words do. Your words are making a demand on what's already deposited by the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Ye, these are that earthen treasure on the inside of you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, we can say we had church now. So we have this earthen treasure on the inside of us. Since we have the same spirit of faith, I believe, therefore I speak. Amen. I believe. Whose report are you going to believe anyway? And again, it's why, that's why it's important that we be careful about what we listen to on a regular basis. You know, I don't want to listen to fear. I don't want to listen to what's going on. You know what's going on in the world today? You know what? I really don't care. Let me tell you how much I really don't care. I don't care. You know, the less I listen to this stuff, the more happier I am. The more I'm oblivious to what's going on in the world. Well, don't you think you ought to be a, 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 a watchman on the wall and let people know that there are negative things going on? You know, the Scripture doesn't say by letting everything, everybody know what's negative that's going on will bring people to God. It's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. Come on, somebody. You don't have to use a negative or fearful tact to get someone to the Lord. It's the goodness of God that brings somebody to God. Hallelujah. 
So yes, I think the people in the world already know that, you know what, the world's going, uh, going in the wrong direction. But you know what, the world's been going in the wrong direction ever since Adam and Eve sinned. But I give you all authority over the power of the enemy. By no means shall anything harm you. Glory to God. Well, a few more scriptures I, I want to share with you. Psalms 91 says, They that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord. Let's say that again. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. When you say of the Lord, aren't you speaking something out? He's my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You know, though a thousand shall fall at my side and ten thousand my right hand, none of these things shall come upon me. He shall deliver me from the plague. Glory to God. With a long life will he satisfy me. I mean, all the promises that are there in Psalms 91. You know, I will say of the Lord, not just I can, you know, in my God will I trust, but say all of what's in Psalms 91. Begin to read it out. Say, this is for me. Long life will I satisfy thee. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So what's he saying? Well, He's saying that we need to say of the Lord. What's Psalms 107 verse 2 say? What does Psalms 107 verse 2 say? Yeah, I said that right. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're not to go around saying so, 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 and so. No, we're to say, I'm redeemed of the Lord. You've been purchased. You have been bought with a price. You have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, glory to God. That's who you are. And so you're to say, I've been redeemed. Wouldn't hurt to say, I'm justified. I'm forgiven. Glory to God. God's going to bless anybody who's going to bless me. Hallelujah. This is my day. You know, God's got something special for me. He loads me daily with benefits, Psalm 68 says. Hallelujah. Why not you? Anybody here, the latest, there's a spoil alert going on. Amen. God wants to bless you with his spoils. That tells me the battle's won. Just go pick them up. Glory to God. Just let him bless you. Hallelujah. You know, I, I want to get to that place where his blessings are overtaking me. Amen. I mean, I, got so, I don't know what I'm doing. Praise God. You know, I love what bro, bro, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Jerry Savelle said. He said, you know, he said, I've got a problem. He says, I have to pray about, I've got so much money, I've got to pray about who to give it to. That's a good problem. I like that problem. I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. Come on, somebody. I want you to get there too. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I got ahead of myself, but it's in my notes. I shall not lack. I shall not lack healing. I shall not lack peace. I shall not lack joy. I shall not lack righteousness. I shall not lack love. Glory to God. Whatever other things that, you know, the enemy is trying to tell you you lack, they say, nope, I'm not going to lack that. I have a sound mind. That's why, you know, Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1, verse 7, he says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of faith. But of love, a spirit of love, power and a sound mind that's what god's given you and that's our earth and treasure in these vessels is that since we have the same spirit of faith the same spirit of faith the same spirit of faith that god has that same faith dwells in you you don't ever have to say i don't have enough faith but like the man who brought his son who was having seizures lord i believe but it's that unbelief 
Okay, well, let's do something about the unbelief. Well, how do we do it? We water our minds with the washing of the water of the Word. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.